The number you have dialed three, has been changed. One, the new number three, is... What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bad With Names. I'm your host, Don Will, and I'm kind of hot. The New York summer has finally set in, a.k.a. my apartment is finally as hot as it should be in New York during the summertime. Um, Up until last week, I hadn't even opened my window. I was just in here with the air still from the wintertime. Like, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't that bad because I live on the bottom floor of the, my apartment building. And for some reason, it wasn't. And you hear when the cars drive past, you can hear them now. Um, so when cars park outside of my building, you can also hear them blaring music, which is one of the main reasons why I keep my window closed. Because in the summertime, that happens a lot. But it's too hot for that shit. Uh, I threw my AC out. A couple months ago because it was old and I should just buy a new one at $90 a pop you know that's cheaper than some people's electric bills so whatever um a lot of stuff to get to up top right now so you can hear the cars pass by but the main order of business the main order of business is that we have a blowout sale going on on tanyamorgan.bandcamp.com we're selling a Tanya Morgan bundle what all is included in this bundle, you ask? Let's tell you. Moonlighting, CD and vinyl. Take the L, 12-inch vinyl. You and what army, CD. Von P, duly noted, CD. Von P, to you, CD. Don Will, Suburban Sprawl, CD. Don Will, Love Junkie, 7-inch vinyl. S- vinyl? And a digital download of 12 minutes at Kareem's. How much for all of this? 50 bucks. It's not a lot of money, man. When you think about supporting independent art, when you think about coming to a live show and paying ten to fifteen dollars at the door and copping a, a t-shirt and a drink, you spent fifty dollars. You know what I'm saying? Support your boys. Uh, we really need it, and that's all I'm gonna say. We wouldn't be having a fire sale if we didn't. But you know, you'll get more. <laughs> you'll hear more about that bundle. In the bumpers, because I'm going to be relentless, and that's the only commercial I'm doing this week, is for the fucking bundle. TanyaMorgan.BandCamp.com. It's in the show description. Click that. Get to get the copping while, you, while you're listening. Um, but yeah, I'm doing a juice fast right now. It's more like a smoothie, coffee, and water fast with the occasional salad and piece of fruit when I'm too lazy to, to use my neutral bullet. It's going pretty good. Today I cheated. I cheated the shit out of today and I had a veggie sausage with jalapeno and onion sliced up. It was pretty good. Not as heavy as I thought it would be. It was heavy for about 30 minutes, but I'm, I'm about five days into this thing and I want to go another five days. I'm going to try to go really hard this week and not do any any sort of solids, just juices and smoothies and coffee because... I got to have my coffee. I haven't been drinking alcohol. I did have two beers at the studio last night with Speck and Parker while we were working on mixing Speck's album. And I was hearing a couple mixes from the upcoming Tanya Morgan album. But, you know, what am I going to do? I'm in the studio. What am I going to do? I did good by only having two. I could, it could have been way fucking worse. Um, I got a couple shows this week, too. But you're not in New York, probably. So you can't go. But if you are... 
interested in attending, hit up donwell.me backslash shows. I just I'm, I'm I'm in the process of redoing my website. I finally got a domain and moved from WordPress.com to WordPress.org. So expect the website to be updated soon. I'm going back to writing my blogs because I miss it. And I miss having a platform to talk solely about me and myself. Pretty selfish that way. But all my platforms are no, whatever. I'm not gonna get into that. I'm not gonna do that backpedaling thing. I want my website back. I want to blog. I miss blogging. And I really missed the fan that was blowing on me that I had to cut off to record this intro. So we're gonna just get through this thing. It's gonna be a quick one because I'm hot as fuck. Um what else is going on? I make a lot of iced coffee now. You don't care. I spend a lot of money on coffee and iced coffee. And I learned how to make iced coffee. And it is revolutionary. Scary. Thought-provoking. Open. Goody mob. But, you know, I, f- I fuck with making iced coffee at home now. I didn't think that it was that easy. I also had this weird thing where I was I was refusing to use the ice trays in my apartment. They were dirty. And for some reason, I didn't want to wash them. I just let them be dirty. But... You know, I cleaned them out really good and made some ice. And now my coffee has ice in it. And it's delicious. It's amazing. It's well worth the 4 or $5 I've been paying for other people to make it for me. It's just, it's it's a waste of money, man. It's, it's a ripoff. And mine's taste a lot better. I think so anyway. Uh, Yeah. I got hit by a car the other day. I didn't really get hit by a car. I was parked behind a car that was facing the opposite direction of the traffic flow and I was checking my phone I was in the bike lane in the intersection of the bike lane that part at a red light so I'm sitting there kind of looking for my map instructions to figure out where I'm going to go to the studio and this idiot just starts backing up into me and you know I'm like uh what the fuck are you doing man like bang on his hood he just keeps going he hits my bike and I'm like yo and hits me and I'm like yo what the fuck man and this nigga's just like, don't even say nothing. His girl was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine, but look at where the fuck you going. And then they pull off, and I was just like, what? They had to check my bike. Nothing happened. My bike's fine. I'm fine. So I guess it wasn't really getting hit by a car. But the overdrum, like, I can be dramatic and say I got hit by a car. I got tapped by a car. I know people who actually got hit by cars, and I don't want to make light of that because, you know, that's some really traumatic, serious shit. But the motherfucker did hit me with a car. I, I actually ran into somebody's car last summer, riding my bike, and he was mad. He was not happy. Um, he had a nice car. He was a young black dude with his daughter in the passenger seat, and he was not taking no shit. And he was like, hey, my nigga, the fuck's wrong with you? I'm like, dude, my bad, man. Ain't nothing happened to your car. Look at the bumper. It's a bike. Man, what is a bike going to do to your fucking car? But whatever, just don't shoot hands up. Don't kill me. No black on black. Um, yeah, so I, I do want to get into this episode because it's one of those hour plus ones. And, you know, we got to have commercials. We got to tell you what's going on in the world. But remember, if you want to see me live and you're in Brooklyn, donwill.me backslash shows. And, uh, yeah, I think that that is it for now. I can cut the fan back on. Can you guys hear that? It's not that bad with the fan on. It's not that bad. Yeah, whatever. I'll turn it off. 
it's not that bad with it on. It's it's the temperature's bad with it off, but with it on, the sound isn't that bad. Um, all right, let's get into this new episode. Me and my friend Chris Lambert sat in his car and we talked about R and B and his career and life. And I want to share that conversation with you guys right now. Um, also, don't forget Tanya Morgan dot bandcamp.com for your merching purposes I need $50 from you I need 50 of your hard on American dollars or Canadian or wherever you're listening to this from I need your money give me your money now please yo yo so I, I got into Bill Burr late I was late to the Bill Burr party okay. and it was uh, one of those things where he just seemed, as a comedian, like, I didn't really get it for a while. Like it just seemed like like angst and anger. And then I like I, I I forget what it was. I think it was his podcast that made it gel for me. I was like, yeah. oh shit, this motherfucker is hilarious. Oh, he's like, great. Yeah. And then the, the Netflix stand up, like like I, I his everything just collided at once, and I just became sure. like not necessarily like an overnight fan, but just like I like art that challenges me. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, when something has respect and validation and somebody has, like, you know, a following, like, I like to, I can appreciate anything for the most part, but, like, I want to, like, like it like everybody else. Yeah. So even without, like, it's the same with music, man. Like, I'll listen to albums, and if, I don't, if I'm not, like, enjoying the album, and I know I should enjoy it, I like just walk away from it and then come back when I'm in the mood to hear music. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. Yeah, man, like, music... Music and art in general, man. I feel like, I feel like people don't like being challenged by their art anymore. Yeah, because there's so much of it and it's so readily available. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I think for me, it's almost like it is. It's the exact same thing when you find out about an artist, you're, and then you go back and look at their old stuff. One of my favorite artists, um, Annie Clark. I talk about her on every fucking <laughs> podcast I'm on. Saint Vincent, who she's. Um, She's like a she's a multi instrumentalist that came out around kind of started doing her own solo stuff in 07. Okay. And I remember the reason why I started listening to her was because I read an Entertainment Weekly review and they said, Oh, this good just like a I think I even have the album in here where it's just this album called Marry Me. And it's oh, like geez. it's just like a, a skinny white girl, like a wayfish white girl. She's pretty. She's gorgeous. And uh, she, not that that doesn't that, that no, has nothing to do with her art, dude. I'm I always just, I'm say, a man. I'm a no, man. <laughs> you're a man first, and they can be hot and talented at the same time. So she, so that reviews like, oh, it's a good album. I don't re- even remember the grade, but the thing that got me was they said, oh, she, some of, one of her songs was inspired by hand claps from Voodoo, like D'Angelo's Voodoo album. Yeah, how they just had like the. The loot, you know, like the people being around and like the organic stuff happening. And I was like, this skinny, waifish white girl using a, an Arrested Development reference for a, her album title is like on some D'Angelo shit. I want to hear this shit right now. Um, and, and, and uh, I was like, oh shit, I'll check her out. So I downloaded it. I was like, okay, I like her. But that was like, I was in Chicago, it was 07. And when I moved here, I remember listening to her album on the train and then it hit me. I was like, oh shit, this is like, 
she had this song called Human Racing, and it was just talking of whatever the fuck it was talking about, but it just, everything just sort of, like, gelled for me. Yeah, yeah. For what I, for the way that I feel about her now, and I've watched her career, you know, progress where 2007, this is a indie label. She got a, won a Grammy last year for, oh, best, shit. for best alternative album. And I've followed her for since then, man. Like, so I'm sleeping basically at this point. Well, I mean, it's that's this is well, not necessarily so, sleeping. Yeah, yeah. It's so vast, man. Like, she sold out Terminal Five last year, and you know Terminal Five, right? Yeah, yeah. Three thousand people is huge. I've seen her. Action Bronson did four nights at Terminal Five when his album came out. That's insane. Four sold out nights. They had to add shows, right? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. No, that that, that place. Uh, I I like seeing it. I really like seeing artists in small venues. Yeah. Like with like the Bowery Presents stuff, like all the stuff that they have. Like Mercury Lounge, I would say would be my favorite place to watch an artist. But I saw her at Castle Clinton in um, like it's like Wall Street area financial district. Uh huh. And then um, I saw her at Nine Two Y Tribeca. Saw her at Nine Two Y is gone. I heard. Is it? Yeah. Wow. That was a cool place. Uh, saw her there, and I saw her open for Death Cab for Cutie. Only went to go see her open. Saw her at BAM. So I've seen her all around the city, and just a big fan of her, her stuff, man. I'm going to check her out. So you said Marry Me is the one I should check out or something else? <sighs> Dude, it's hard. It's like trying to pick your favorite kid. I'll start with that album because I like how she looks on the cover. Because she, she, sort of, she sort of, like, she did that album on her, on GarageBand. So, and, I'm sold. And, like, <laughs> she, like, at her, in her mother's house in Dallas, uh, you know. And, and then the second, the second album, Actor, was this album where she was listening to a lot of um, musical scores. So she's listening to, like, Disney movies. I like her. And then she, and then she wrote to that. She wrote to these scores that she had. And then the, the third, the third was Strange Mercy, which was a little more. She's always been kind of like, I guess like tongue in cheek, like yeah. like witty. Like she has a line in Marry Me said, "Let's do what." She's talking to a guy. Let's do what Mary and Joseph did without the kid, you know, like yeah. kind of like a wink and everything. And she's always been kind of witty with the songwriting, but then this Strange Mercy record was a little more raw and open and the the fourth the fourth album was like mainstream success pop she was on snl she'd already been on on uh that's where i know her name from. yeah okay she, she did a live at letterman set i saw that i'm just i'm kind of i'm pretty much a stan yeah so like are you are you like a music nerd in general like like no, like you know, or you just like what you like. I like what I like, but okay. my base is is R and B. Like the like my dad used to listen to Motown and you know uh, like the soul yeah. soul shit, you know, and the eight tracks and all that. And I guess when I started, I'm I'm more of a like a, a frustrated, closeted wannabe R and B singer. <laughs> so so I kind of like I like. I, 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 I like those guys and that that's always gonna be my base but I think around like maybe like 2005 I just kind of got frustrated with with hip-hop uh, just it was just kind of like 
it's just because that was, a, I guess, I guess the early two thousands, like the gangster stuff was, yeah, the hot and the ringtone rap, and it just the, the gangster shit had gotten like cartoonish. Yeah, like there was a certain point where gangster music, took, gangster music took a turn. Like when Compton, Compton's Most Wanted was on. Yeah, and like Ghetto Boys, and like like even to a certain extent, like. Do or die, do or die for Chicago. Mm -hmm. like, like there are certain groups that were like, okay, this is cool, but then it became like, I'm gonna shoot you 20 times, and then yeah. I'm gonna go kill 5,000 other people. Like motherfucker, you're not doing that. It just yeah. it, it became it became like too hyper violent. Cause 50 Cent was hot, and then yeah. I guess guys were trying to copy him. So I, when I was living in Chicago, I used to have a ritual. Almost it was, it was almost ritualistic. There was a, a store called. Uh, Reckless Records, which was a used record store, you can you could get you know CDs and DVDs and records, and I would go there after church and just mm. listen and and listen and buy stuff and listen to gangster rap and undo all that you learned in church. Then. No, no, it wouldn't be. It was it was like indie hip hop, like like I would some go people, praise the Lord and I would go shoot a nigga. No, no, nah, nah, it would be like I was like I found out about like Alice Smith there. Okay, you know, and um, and then like. Then, Man, go ahead. You could probably school like I'm. I'm really big on R&B. I love R&B shit. Like I, I actually was doing a DJ night uh -huh. where I would play nothing but R&B. Okay. And um, yeah. So like I'm. I'm into like trying to find new acts, like like new stuff. Yeah. I'm a big I, like. You ever heard of Emily King? Yeah. That Georgia she, EP. I saw her at yeah. I saw her at Mercury Lounge. Bruh. So she. Good. I. I was so close that I felt like she was singing to me. And she was. She smiled at me a couple times. So I'm you know about gonna... Jenna Bell too, then, right? Jenna Bell, I'm not familiar. Okay, okay. I think her name is Jenna Bell. You just have to put me on this stuff. We got to put each other on because I'm pretty open. Stuff. Like okay. I, I would just say, around that time, I started listening to white girls that had like songs or stories to tell. AKA Fiona Apple. Exactly. <laughs> like I, my first, my, like so, my first introduction <laughs> to her was. Extraordinary Machine, two thousand five. Bruh, I was title, title. Yeah. Before, well, that's, yeah. before Jay Z made it a, a flopping streaming audio service. Yeah, Fiona Apple made it a fantastic album, and well, then you, she had that album when the when the pawn strikes the five million words in the album. That's title. that's album. after what was that? Two or three years ago, yeah, right? Yeah. That was after that was that came after title, I think. I'm pretty. Oh, sure when the title. okay after title when the pawn strikes, blah 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 blah. What's blah, blah. the other one? There's a extraordinary one. machine was after that, and then like she just she had another one. long ass joint that was like oh, no. you're gonna make me Google it, but oh, no. uh, yeah, you know, like so I was listening to, to that and and Jenny Lewis. Have mm. you ever heard of Rilo Kylie? Mm. Uh, uh, let's see, you ever, you remember the movie Troop Beverly Hills? Shelley Long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jenny Lewis played Shelley Long's daughter. Oh, and she wow. was in this movie called The Wizard with, uh, you remember, uh, with with um, Fred Savage, Kevin Arnold, yeah. from Wonder Years. She was the chick. She was a girl. She grew up to become, she was with another dude, Blake Sennett, who was in this show, Salute Your Shorts. And he was, uh, that's a Nickelodeon show. Yeah, I think. you go, it's so obscure. I love it. I love but it. But he was on some, <laughs> he was on Boy Meets World. Anyway, yeah. those two started a band called Rilo Kylie. They did, I want to say, about five albums. And Jenny Lewis, wow. I found out about her through a side project that her first solo album that she did called Jenny Lewis and the Watson Twins. 
called the album was called Rabbit for a Coat and it was kind of it was country tinged and she was telling sounds, stories yeah like she told really she, she had this beautiful fucking voice and like one of the best like one of the best live performances that I saw just pure and uh you like how an artist sound a singer sounds better than they do on their album yeah and it was just like she was amazing so I, I okay we're gonna come back to this because I now I I have a question for the end I'll ask you okay the end. but speaking of artists that sound fantastic better live than they do record it mm -hmm. you know how I want to throw in that pile who D'Angelo oh he sounds better alive I never seen him live what check okay so I saw him at, at uh, the Apollo and his recordings are amazing. Like, people talk all that shit about you can't understand what he's saying, whatever. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. His shit sounds fantastic to me. Like, I love yeah. D'Angelo. But, like, you like it's almost like the recordings are made in support of the stage show. Like, when you right. watch him live, you can hear the words. They're like, yeah. like it's not like that shit. Well, this one. Like, it's, like, it's amazing. Like, I saw him live, and I was just like, I was with my girl, and I'm like, yo, this shit sounds better than the album and the album is amazing yeah you know what i'm saying well that album really did it the now voodoo really put a number on me because that yeah. was like i was 20 years old when that came out voodoo put a spell on everybody and i guess like hey oh <laughs> i guess you when you're fucking you're 20 years old and you're like my life and all these things are happening and <laughs> i remember the root was the jam for me because like it's just like what women just the power that they have over us man and sometimes they don't even know it like the first the first verse is like don't work the route that will not be reversed yeah then i go on go on my role in her play with no rehearsal like are you fucking <laughs> kidding me are you fucking kidding me like jesus christ yeah, like yeah man i don't like like him like he was the guy that kind of and I know like everybody Prince is the god and, and like Prince is the guy first concert I ever went to I saw Prince at the Capitol Center which is now a mall and Magic Johnson owns everything there and it, it was awesome but it's just like there was a guy that's I guess he's he's not that much older than I am but it was just like a guy from my generation doing his thing or his yeah. version of what Prince was or you know I just thought that he was outstanding like the brown sugar was very good but voodoo was like there were you could tell that there were guys playing those instruments it was in there it was like Motown Marvin it was like what's going on Marvin Gaye versus Motown Marvin Gaye mm -hmm. like it was like it was a like harmonica Steve versus when he start like when he broke into his own thing. It yeah. was kind of like the maturation of an artist. Yeah. And it was, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel yeah. you totally. And it was just like, it, that was something that was powerful to me. I had a I had a radio show um, in college and I would just play like, we would play like adult contemporary stuff like that. Kim. Yeah. There's nowhere to hide Love is calling your name from the dark Love calls, love calls your name. Yeah, a little bit. Love calls. 
calls your name. <laughs> that nigga <laughs> Kim and fucking uh, Aaron Neville. We would do well. We wouldn't go. They should do a duet. We wouldn't go Aaron Neville, but we would. I would do like I started off with. Oh, with, with, was this with in two, DC with the radio? This was at Mount St. Mary's College in Emmonsburg, Maryland, about because Kim runs shit in the DMV. Well, I mean, you got to remember, I was twenty years old at the time. So what I was playing was like, I would play Kevin Edmonds. I would mm. do like some pro. Remember profile. Yes. From like they had some like they have at least two or yes. three weddings. Honey dip, songs. right? I want a honey dip. The girls are so fine. And I'm looking for a honey dip. Have only one at a time. Maybe not on the now first look at album. that girl. Sexy as can be. I wanna dump her down. She cares about personality. That might be the second album that didn't do as well when they really were trying hard. But Seven Mile, Mar Mariah Carey had a group uh, in like 1997, 1998. She had a, her own label, I guess like Crave Records. Okay, yeah. And then she and she had these guys that had some great fucking songs. Uh, only maybe they did two albums, but like I would play stuff like that, like. Cause I wanted to be this. You you you're talking to a so, guy that wanted to be in a group, or wanted to be like I like Tevin Campbell. Oh God, my one, nigga! One of my I can't wait to get to school. Dude, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, 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 yeah. That song. You got how awesome is a song when you have Casey and JoJo backing you up? What? Yeah. Is that them backing them? They backed them up on that. That, that this is impossible. Girl, don't leave me. I know Al B. Sure was on, on one song. I think that well, might have been Al B. But I, they, Kyle, I think Kyle West's break. Are you fuck? You might have yeah. broken my. <laughs> yo, okay, so I, like we're gonna go into some origin shit real quick after this. Yeah, we well gotta, that, that <laughs> this, song. This, but like I like this is bringing it all full circle because when that song came out, I was I went to D.C. Mm -hmm. to visit some relatives. And I remember I had recorded that and never, uh, and I think about you High every five. night. Well, that's recorded, a Sister Act 2 soundtrack. Yeah, 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 Sister yeah. Act I recorded both of those songs on a tape and literally played them on loop nonstop for the whole ride back to Ohio. But before going to Ohio, we went to the Museum of Natural History, and I met a girl and had my first kiss in that museum. And wow. I literally, like, like those songs define that kiss. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, Bruh. Alright, so so let's 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 do some origin shit because you were saying you were at radio and you wanted to be like did you wanna you have like this incredible musical like breath. Like you you know about R and B in like a way that a person that almost would make music knows about it. You know what I'm saying? A little bit. Like I always say like if you know a lot about you know like you realize like when we were we were talking about the Stones Throw documentary where it's like I know a little bit about hip hop. But then you realize you don't really know shit with yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're a hip-hop guy, but, like, I know R&B, but it's just, like, 
I know a little bit. Like I to be to not look like an idiot. All right. So why is that? Though? Like, what's what's your history with R and B to make you so like why? I think it tapped into something to where it's like these got this guy is expressing his emotion that he can't really say in real life so he could sing about this girl and it was just like a like a fantasy thing like I want to be that guy that sings to the girl and gets her off knocks her off his feet her yeah, feet yeah. his feet it's Freudian slip what the fuck <laughs> like, you, I remember the first I sung uh, I'm, Te- I'm Ready by Tevin Campbell to this girl at recess and uh, and she was my girlfriend like I talked to her on the phone a couple times and you know Junior high shit. You know, was the shit in junior high? Calling girls and singing on the phone, singing to them on the phone. Did I ever do that? I would sing the whole Jodeci Forever My Lady album. And that was the entire Jodeci. Jodeci album. had, especially like Diary of a Mad Band. Woo! Like they would, those songs were awesome, but they would kind of drag. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, I like hell, like I think a couple of weeks ago, I was talk, I was talking about uh, Bobby Valentino on my podcast, how. He has some really good good songs, like because he worked with Tim and Bob, and like yeah. and like they would be dope songs. But like you you get a you get a verse, the hook, a a, a bridge, and then the, another verse, and then you get like a fucking. You keep repeating the hook like so long. The song will be like five minutes. Have you heard Bobby Valentino uh, "Back to Love"? No, I'll send it to you. Like I'm Is basically the new album. It's like off of some random ass EP. Okay, that sounds like. It's, it's weird. It's you weird. know what really hurt me with R&B? Uh, Jason Weaver. I I thought he was going to be a star. Like We all did. And like he was just so... Have you, have you heard his music recently? Is he trying to be like a thug or something? Not yeah. like a thug. I'm yeah. sorry. Like a, this is Fox News and shit. It's, it's re- <laughs> is he just trying to be like urban and shit? It, it, it's, it's overly urban. It's, it's like... It's like it's like that. It's like it's like if Ray J could really sing, dude. Now see, I like Ray J though. Now here we go. See, a this is, we're J. jumping around. Now when Ray J first came out, Ray J had who, who was a Rodney Jerk? Was it Rodney Jerkins? Dark Child. Dark Child. Yeah. So like he had. This is what I'm saying. Like if you have Kenny Lattimore and Rasan Patterson backing you up, doing background vocals on your fucking. Ray album, J had this. Yes. Look at the line, look at his first album, Everything You Want. What was one of the first, what was his single on that album? Let It Go. Can't do nothing better, let it go. Let it go and let everybody's out on the floor. Don't you know I'm gonna get you nothing better. So let it go. Set your channel out on the floor. I don't know this, but I should know it. I'm a Ray, I like Ray J. I should I should know this. He had like he he had a he had a decent singing voice. He's not he wasn't horrible. Yeah, I mean like we we've like we let niggas like keep sweat live. We can let Ray like, J live. But you it's just like it's like you you're not a fucking thug. You live in California. Your sister's on a sitcom. Your sister's a superstar. Maybe <laughs> him. Maybe he's like act, maybe that was him acting out and trying to be. Something that he wasn't. I I under I I can understand that, but it was just like uh, you're not your your first album. You're 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 singing like you're singing some good R and B songs. But you know, I I think that I think that they get caught up in trying to do something successful as opposed to something well. You well, know what I'm saying? Well, Jason Weaver, like 
I mean, he he was Motown. I always, I, I think I might go to, unless I meet Jason Weaver and have him talk to him on my podcast or something. It's probably not that hard. I, I th- you probably could get him. I would want to, but like. That would be dope. I felt like, I felt like, what is it? Andre Harrell fucked up his career. He had that first album, Love Ambition, Smooth Records. Like really, he had the album he had, the album cover he had on a suit. And I remember my mom was saying, "You can't get no more CDs. This is the last CD you're getting." Like, cause I was a junkie, <laughs> and then we'd go, we'd go to Waxy. We were like uh, in PG County, uh, where I'm from. Uh, Iverson Mall was the, it was the black mall. Yeah, I, every mall. I used to live by Iverson Mall. Every every mall. I used to live by Iverson. Iverson had six shoe stores. Then. Yeah, and I would go there every Saturday and go to all the shoe stores and look at all the clearance racks. Then go buy at least two or three pairs of shoes. But you know what though? Every mall in PG County was the black mall. Every mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you just had bougie black or you had hood black, but they yeah. were all black malls. So I would when I would go out like when my mom and I would go to we I would take her to uh, Tyson's Corner. We go to Tyson's Corner to go like she'd like to go to Nordstrom's because we didn't have really didn't have shit like that. Anyway, but she would say this is this was it. My dad, you can't get any more CDs, and that was one of the last ones. And I was a I might have been ninety four, ninety five, and I was like a freshman. But that he was like he was a guy like to me, he was like I don't know. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think that these entertainers and musicians were just as dope as Jordan like yeah like to me Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence especially because Martin Lawrence was from my area I I just thought that those guys were amazing like they were like athletes to me that just I I held them in the same esteem high esteem um and uh I just I I I thought I thought Jason Weaver was great and he had that smooth album then he kind of got urban he had this EP. Yeah. It wasn't like he he was just like I'm I'm older now. I'm not little Michael Jackson. I'm not on Thea anymore. I'm gonna take my I'm, shirt off and sing to these. Yeah, guys. I'm 16. I'm 17 years old. And I was like, yeah, now he's coming back hard. And it's like he had Horace Brown. He could he was doing his thing, and then the album just didn't come. The second album was just not there. And he's relegated to being on a good show, smart guy. But this motherfucker would have parts where he would sing and and he had like some cool shit and it's like you should have a fucking album and so like like i wanted more for his career you know and now i just follow him on instagram (laughs) 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 you know like you know i just i just went like the same i feel the same way about him to a lesser degree uh glenn lewis because glenn lewis Uh, had he had oh my god we have to we have to like have an email chain where some of this like, cause a lot of this stuff, man, like I forgot it existed, and I'm like yeah. a huge fan of R&B, like you. Yeah. So like, I'm my mind is getting blown a little bit right now when you bring up some of these people. Yeah. But let's we'll come back to this. Okay, sure. Because yeah. we we're, we're we're so far off the rails. Sorry. That I could make a untimely Amtrak joke, and I won't. Yeah. Because that's fucked up. Well, yeah. I just heard that. The train was going faster than it needed to be. Okay. It was going over 100 miles per hour, so, you know, those families are going to get some money. Over the train. You know? All right, guys. I was telling you before, and I'm going to tell you again. Go to tanyamorgan.bandcamp.com. We have a lot of merch for sale for 50 bucks. It's a bundle. 
pretty much most of our releases. A lot of our solo stuff and a little bit of new stuff. All yours for 50 bucks. And possibly with a discount if you put in Hip Not Summer Sale 2015. All right, so the show is called Bad With Names. We're doing the intro super late, but the show is called Bad With Names. Okay. And your name is Chris Lambert, right? Yes. Do people ever mistake you for Chris Lawrence? No, it's you. I don't know who that. Who is that? He's a, he's another comedian, kind of like a, a black dude, big bad. I, 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 let me try to Google him. Maybe he just. I think somebody just friended me or followed me. But like I'm. Guy. <laughs> I asked that because I was googling you, to like do some research, and like this guy kept popping up. Chris, him. Mm. Oh. That he's dude. a comic? Uh, well, Mark Christopher. Mark right. Christopher. No, I always get okay. confused. Like, I don't get confused, but the Highlander guy. The, I don't know. Lambert. Lambert. He's French. <laughs> well, oh, no. Yeah, he's, um, he's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's Highlander. I was Googling him, and I was just like, oh, I guess this is like if the H is silent. Mine is like a lamb giving birth. I'll say like lamb, lamb giving birth. birth without the I. There's a B <laughs> instead of an I, if that helps people. But, it, yeah, it's just like a regular... So did you ever, were you ever tempted to get like a, a alias name? Like, you know, how like when you're a rap, you could pick a name. You can be like, oh, yeah. I could be so-and-so. Were no. you ever tempted to like no. do that? Not even your, not even like, not even like, did you have like an R&B group that you went to name? No, I tried to do like talent shows when I was in high school. Like I would, cause I wanted to get on uh teen summit on BET okay. And um, it was right in D.C. where when BT used to the headquarters used to be in D.C. And um, one of the producers uh, like ran a talent show, helped run a talent show on the side. And I started sing. I was sung like I was. I think I was like I workshop ribbon in the sky to do at a talent yeah, yeah. show because like uh, I think fucking Tyrese did it. Before he, he was a movie star, I think he did do it. I think was he, he on the back of the bus doing. No, that was no, always. But I think he did it. You know what he did it on? He did it on Steve Harvey. Yeah. He did it on the Steve Harvey yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is before he's became the movie star and everything. But he he's another guy, amazing voice, super talented. But it's like, be are you good? It's like it's just a, like a right around that time where it's like, are you gonna be? You can either be. Like an R and B guy, it's like where it melded into being the smooth R and B guy, or a thug. Black tie. Yeah, <laughs> that's like his, like his his Garth Brooks, Chris Gaines, Beyonce, Sasha Fierce bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah. So it's just sort of like. Um, so I I just thought I just thought those R and B dudes were cool. So speaking of that. How did you come to comedy being your voice? Like, what, what, how did you, how did you land on comedy? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know that you said you started a little late. I it guess. was 29 years. It took, it took me, I was 29 when I started. And when I was a kid, I always liked stand up. And I used to listen to stand up comedy all the time. I used to record Deaf Comedy Jam on Friday nights and watch them like they were Saturday morning cartoons the next day. Oh, that's dope. And I used to memorize the jokes and I would tell the jokes. I was like, what Bill Bellamy did on, you know, Def Jam and, and Martin Lawrence was a host and I, when I found out he was from D.C., like, I was like, he's the guy. Like, yeah. you know, of course I was listening to Eddie Murphy and I thought he was amazing, but Martin was the guy. I was so obsessed with Martin that first 
well, I tried to get into Roosevelt High School, which where he went into, but I think I was too dumb at math, and I took the test, and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get in the fucking school. And uh, then my dad, when I was, well, you so crazy came out. Um, I want to say that was like ninety three or ninety four. Yeah. But whenever it came out, it was an NC seventeen movie. My dad took me. He took me to go see it. He's like, you like this guy. We'll go see it. Was and your dad like, what the fuck have I done? When he sat down and the joke started rolling? Or he knew, no, about, he knew about the comedy because we had, I think his first comedy tape, uh, Talking Shit, was... Oh, yeah, yep. <laughs> we had, like, I would listen to him in the tape deck, and my dad, we'd be driving around, and I'd be listening to his tape. And I'd be in the ta- in there with my dad, just obsessively. It was, Mar- it was Martin, it was Paul Mooney, Boys to Men, another bad creation. So I would have, you know, that would be the rotation. And I used to fall asleep listening to comedy CDs, wow. comedy tapes back then. So it was an obsession. But I just, I saw somebody get booed on Showtime at the Apollo. And I was like, I can't do that. Yeah. And I put it up. <laughs> and I was just, I just got into, it was, I got into acting. <coughs> oh, yeah. So you went to school for acting, right? Yeah. Well, so right around... You know, a lot, much, like, like you, like, around, I uh, see, I went to, went to Catholic school in D.C., and I was, uh, all black Catholic school, one, like, one white kid that played point guard. That's crazy. <laughs> all black Catholic school sounds crazy. Yeah, man. southeast, right at southeast D.C., St. Francis Xavier, still there. Which part is, um, which part of D.C., I, I know, like, most of them are rough. They say they're uh-huh. rough. Which which is the the rough part, like southeast or northeast, or are they both kind of like on southeast own? is pretty could be pretty gully, northeast is is pretty you know I don't know what it you know somebody can speak on it better than I can now but I remember finding seeing a woman high on PCP walking up Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, that that qualifies. Yeah, you see a guy, <laughs> you see a guy you see a guy cutting his grass. He's got a gun in his you know in, the, in his in his jeans. You see yeah. that, you know, but we were, I was shielded from it. I, I'm not going to give you, I was, grew up in the fucking hood, son. Yeah, yeah. I would say, like I like I told you before, like I was on some black Kevin Arnold shit. Like, you know, just a regular dad, mom and mom had a job. She's a laborer. Dad worked in warehouses, worked two jobs, would work all fucking day, then put together bikes at night at like Sears or some shit. And yeah. And my aunt would like pick me up from school, would be with my cousins, get my workout, you know, football, karate, baseball, all that shit. But I think acting was the so sixth grade. I move. My parents are we're gonna move you to this other school, and I was upset. I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. And uh, our the big thing at that school was to do a play. If you were in the spring musical, you got to go to Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. Oh, where? Yeah. And I'd never been, That's so I was like, I want to go to Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. And uh, you had to sing in front of everybody. And the big thing, and I didn't know about audition songs. Like, if you're in a musical, you do like some Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff. Like, um, oh shit, like. Um, you are 16, going on 17, ba-da-ba-da-ba-da, theater voice, yeah, yeah. shit like that. So I didn't know any songs like that. I knew, I knew Jodeci. 
So I. <laughs> so around that time, I it's had. It's been an hour since you've been home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And not too long. Oh shit. So, so girl, come back home. So I knew that's what I knew, and um, I right around that time I had that that what was it the Uptown MTV Unplugged album, but it had yeah, like yeah, with lately. Yeah. So I learned that song. I mean, I already fucking knew it because, you know, I knew the song. You learned the, the Jodeci version. The Jodeci version. One, yeah. And I didn't know that it was a Stevie Wonder cover oh, at that time. Yeah. I was okay. about like, I had to be 12 years old. And I had this, I had this Alabama baseball, baseball cap, Alabama Crimson Tide baseball cap because they were hot. They, they were hot even back then. Roll Tide. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that might have been fucking, I don't remember. Darren Lassick played with the Cowboys a little bit. Anyway. So I start off singing a song like, like, uh, like JoJo. He starts off. He's like, lately I've had a strange feeling. And then, and he gets to the when he says, Casey sing it. Yeah, I yeah. turn my baseball cap backwards to sing like KC. <laughs> and the the girl, like the eighth grade girls, and I was new to the school. The older girls liked it, and I got a part in the play, but I was still like nervous to be one of the leads. So I ended up playing like the King's like right hand man. I had okay. a couple lines, and we went to Bush Gardens. But after that, I was hooked. And uh, eighth grade year, we did hooked on acting, not hooked singing. on acting, okay. and sing you know musical theater and shit. Um, and um, the next year was pretty big for me because I played basketball, and I just the sixth grade year we won the championship, and we you know the set next year I wasn't I was just okay. Yeah, I could shoot a little bit. I couldn't dribble. Played pretty good defense, and um, I could dribble and I can't shoot. Yeah, so I was just like, <laughs> we should be I, on the same team. I was just like, <laughs> I was just like self aware. Like this isn't. And then like eighth grade, we were doing the sound of music, and I had the I was like the third lead in the show, and I had two songs, and I it was a great show. And my dad told me he said. Man, all the black parents were, because it was a predominantly white Catholic school. So I went to all black to white. There's a lot of shit with that, too. But it wasn't, it, it was just sort of like they were just, the, he said the black parents were proud of me. Like, because I was oh, up wow. there, like, doing, and I was like, oh, shit. And that was like one of the first times, like, th maybe this is, maybe I have something yeah. here. And I was like 13, 14 years old, and I was playing baseball that same year and I was I just I sucked I wasn't that good and when I would strike out uh one of the parents uh one of the, the black dads would say man that's all right Hollywood that's all right he was like he was just like you're good at acting so yeah. like, you're not like it's not like you you suck you weren't good at the baseball but like you're really and I was just I'll just never forget that because he was just that's all right Hollywood you're you're an actor yeah and um and then, like, I went to high school, and it was just sort of like I was scared to try out. And then when I saw this fall play, um, there was this kid that was in the play with me in elementary school, in junior high. He got to kiss this really hot chick, and I was like, fuck so that. <laughs> I was like, fuck that. I'll never, I'm never, I'm never not going to audition for it. <laughs> and so <laughs> at that time. I was so mad. She was so she was so hot, and uh, she was a junior. Oh man! And so, and I, I there was they did the, they did Pippin, 
which I think just ended on Broadway not too long ago. And I got a big role, and for a freshman, it was unheard of. And I was like, I think I got something here. And I yeah. just kept kept going. And you took it all the way to college. Took it to college, and that like, was another thing. Freshmen don't get good parts, and they got I got a part. And you went you went from D.C. to Chicago for college, right? Well, D.C. and then just in Mount St. Mary's, which was um, an hour and a half away from where I grew up. So it was like it, Frederick, Mar it was in Frederick County, Maryland. Wait, so you went to... Chicago was for grad school. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, college yeah. was college was an hour outside of DC. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like not far, <laughs> maybe like fifteen from fifteen minutes from Baltimore, below historic Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. I used to be a tour guide at school, so I would say you know, you're about ninety minutes from DC and fifteen minutes from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Did you ever go to Gettysburg? Yeah, we used to. The Walmart was there. <laughs> I I did a I did a gig in Frederick, Maryland, which is like twenty miles outside of where where Mount St. Mary's is. Uh I did that a gig there in November and I went and I stayed up there. Um I and I stayed at a hotel in Gettysburg and I was just like, Man, this is it just kinda brought back memories. The Walmart was there. Did you take the, the tour? I mean, the, the the Civil War reenactment thing? No, I never did that. We Dude. used to go to concerts at Gettysburg College to see the Roots and Busta Rhymes. So do, you, like, do black people ever go to that? Or is I, that some shit the niggas is like, I'm not fucking People have with done that. sketches and shit like about that. I mean, when I was in high school, we went to a plantation for a field trip. Oh, And we had bro. lunch on the plantation. Oh no! Yeah, it's kind of like it. <laughs> oh no! It was just like, yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was weird. Lunch on a plantation sounds like a picnic. We bring our bag lunch and shit. <laughs> the old kind of picnic. Yeah, man, it was. Uh, you know what I think about? It. But we, we had, you know what it was? We had a um, African American studies class. Okay, okay. And okay. we went. Well, that's appropriate. Yeah, because yeah. that, that's contextualized. At least that's like, hey. There's a friend. It's not like some. Let's make light of your people's No, stuff. no, you know no, what I'm saying. No. It's like you don't understand where the fuck you came high from. High school was interesting because it was like, it was a predominantly black Catholic school. Maybe like 700 people, 700 okay. kids total. That's, that's small. 100, yeah, real small. Yeah. 100, maybe 150 graduating in my class, and um, white administration, m m mainly white teachers. Oh um, wow! So yeah, so it was kind of like their task was shaping black youth. Which is interesting. But it was it was like most of those kids, you know, decent decent kids, just fucking kids, you know, just kids. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that African American studies class really opened up my mind a lot because I was very I was very pro black when I was in in that school when I got transferred to. Uh, to so I went from St. Francis to Mount Calvary, which that was predominantly white. Okay. And uh, I would un you would have a teacher say like, "I wish you would go back to where you came from." Oh shit! Not to me, but to another kid that was new. And I was just like, "Fuck!" I was like, "Are you fucking?" Oh, and it would be funny to me. Like I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah. Because I had an uncle that was like Muslim and everything. You know he. You just didn't eat pork and shit, and you know the white man, and you would you get your education from your elders and shit, so you right. knew what the deal was. So some of that shit was funny. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Is she really saying this?" And so like I was, I, my mind was like like that already. Plus I'm listening to Paul Mooney, 
when I'm yeah. like early early teens. So I kind of knew what the game was. You so, know. so you had a pretty strong uh, foundation interest, foundational interest in comedy. Yeah. And then, like, when you went to Chicago, you were still theater. Like, what was what was the the jump from theater to comedy? Like, I know that, um, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, what 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 was the one? Like, cause cause I saw you doing stand up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Which is far, which I don't know. I, in my mind, it's kind of far removed from theater in a sense, but it's probably not as far removed as. No, it's just know. like another tool. It's yeah. what it is. Uh, How did you? Where did you get the tool from? Well, that was a good. That was a good segue. Leading question. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I would say so. Shout myself out. I went. Big <laughs> up yourself. You know, I went. I so grad school. Um, I was in Chicago and I, I wanted to, I just knew like a lot of people that I liked went to grad school or had some kind of, yeah. like Denzel went to ACT for like five minutes. Like he had some base, okay. Sigourney Weaver, Courtney B. Vance. I just started like researching all these people like Angela Bassett. That's where they met, you know, Courtney B. Vance and Angela Bassett. Um, Andre Brower, um, What's my man? Uh, not not was Avon Barksdale's brother, Wood Harris, Steve Harris. Anyway, he went. To, I just knew that those guys went to grad school, and I went to this uh, clearinghouse audition, which is called the Erdas. It's like I think it's like Unified Residential Theater Association. But anyway, you go, you audition around different parts of the country, and there's schools that come to look at you. So you pay like oh, seventy five, eighty bucks. You do a, a classical monologue and a contemporary monologue. They adjudicate you and they pass you on. If they like you, they'll pass you on to the next round, which is bullshit because if people want to see, if you pay your money, everybody should get to see you. Right. You know, so my parents, my parents and I uh, auditioned here and I auditioned here in New York. My dad took off work. My mom took off work. Um. I don't even know. My mom was already retired at the time. My dad took off work. We made plans in a hotel, had family friends that put us up and everything. And uh, I was going to do my audition. And I auditioned, and I didn't get passed on the first, oh, on the man. round. I was upset. Like, I was in the hotel, like, crying and shit. Not like a bitch or nothing. But uh, I was just like, <laughs> but I was just like, man. Thug tears, parents, thug tears. Thug tears. Suburban thug tears. And my dad, my, I was just like, man, they, they sacrificed and all this shit. And uh, they did give you an opportunity to to have like a you do a one minute monologue at some coffee house. I don't even remember where the fuck it was, but you could if you didn't get passed, you could do an you could do a monologue at this place, and whoever wanted to show up would show up. So I did like a, a Shakespeare monologue, and I got a call back to Roosevelt University, and that was the only call back that I got. I had auditioned. I was set to audition at Yale, and I did, but they told me I was too young, basically. He's like, oh, you're pretty good, but uh, most people, like, they probably, I might have had a better chance if I was uh, a little older. Okay. But a guy that I went that, and so I went to Roosevelt. I met with them. They gave me a packet. My dad and I flew out there. I was like, I'm not fucking this up. We flew, you know, we flew out here. Yeah. And that was my <clears throat> first time on a plane. And, like, a lot of my experiences 
like traveling and having new experiences was because of like art, you right. know? And um, so my dad and I are out there. I was like, dad, you're not going. Just just wait in the waiting room or somewhere in the lobby and I'll just go talk to the lady I'll audition. And I did. And uh, she said, yeah, that was good. You know, uh, we usually know within the first 10 seconds somebody opens their mouth that we're you know, we want to work with them. And I got into the program. It was a three-year oh, wow. pro- Yeah, it was a three-year program. And there, like, I just learned I was around people. That was the first time for me that I was around people that wanted to do the same thing that I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, we were talking about that earlier, just how, like, you're just kind of like, um, I guess, you know, you're trying to find that. Because in high school, you, you, you do that and you leave. But I still wanted to act. And then college, you're acting with these people. They leave. And then you're like, well, what what else am I going to do? So that was a good haven for me. And when I got out of school, uh, I was living my dream. Like, I, I I talk about it in my stand-up a little bit. You know, I was doing that. And I was living in Chicago. I was a professional actor. You're not getting paid. Oh, but, shit. You know, I was in a, a commer- like a Fisher Peanuts commercial and couple industrial things but i was doing theater i had some i had an audition for a tyler perry movie did, you didn't get it <laughs> i didn't get it uh, no i didn't coon it up well enough. you know coon yeah. it up a little bit more you can yeah i didn't i didn't get it uh <laughs> or i wasn't or i wasn't hot enough or light-skinned enough they would just they would just put some fake braids like they're like they don't yeah. like glue braids to your head yeah so in 2007 <laughs> i i moved here i moved to new jersey and Did you know, move here in pursuit of, of, of further yeah. opportunities? I had a job. I had a, I was, my mom, had like a friend of a friend, had connections. I interviewed, flew out here, interviewed, and it worked out. And I was in this training program, and I'm still at, whatever, I have a day job. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, so I moved out here in 07. It was just trying to find myself, trying to recapture the same thing I had in Chicago, trying to do that here. Sent wasn't working and I was doing like community theater in Jersey and just people that weren't fucking dedicated to the game and I just got frustrated and I had this friend uh, Jenna Corrado who's now uh, like a, a she works for NBC Sports okay and uh, we were doing the play together and she said oh, I took some classes at UCB I took level one you might like it and I signed up for it loved it had this teacher uh, Anthony Tamnewick, who was on 30 Rock and just, it's like a improv stalwart in, in New York City. Yeah. And we, and that, he was kind of one of the people that sort of indirectly pushed me towards stand up to where it was like, he said, um, you know, uh, you know, if you, uh, we had, cause they required us to go to class, go to shows and see improv shows. And there were some groups that were doing these tricks and stuff that were on our same level that we didn't do. He said, how come we're not doing this and all that? And he was like, we're not going to do that. We're going to stick on honesty and you find humor through the realness of whatever, whatever, whatever's going on in the scene. <laughs> I had to re- have to reboot, to reboot myself sometimes. And so I did that. And uh, I remember the graduation show. Uh, I was talking about, a, you know, how if you ever been to an improv show, they'll ask you for suggestions. Yeah. And you ask an audience for a suggestion and somebody said uh, red wine. And I said, well, red wine makes me think about my high school, my 10 year high school reunion about 
I know this girl that I was in love with, I was obsessed with, and uh, she just never really gave me, put me in the friend zone. I said, I was talking, I was telling her about a conversation that I had with my mom about maybe she's going to be there. And my mom said, what if she doesn't believe in that? Like, believe in what? Reunions? I just kind of riffed on, like, some <laughs> shit like that. And I'm, and that was, like, my first time, like, oh, I made these people laugh by telling a real story. And then yeah. we made scenes out of it, and it was fun. But the improv is really expensive. Yeah. I'm, fami I'm familiar with the... Pro I did a uh, Cypher Sounds improv show. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I'm familiar with the process, and I'm, I've been... Looking in the UCB, but I want to try to get in under the diversity scholarship. Yeah, yeah. But, all right, so you... That's, that's It's a lot of fun, and my dad would always tell me, he's like, you should write, you can write. And I was like, well, maybe I should try stand. Maybe I really need to. And I was like, I, was like, I think it might have been Memorial Day weekend of 2000. It had to be summer of 2009. Might have been like June. I started in June of 2009. And I was I was in my parents' basement on the computer. I was looking on the internet, and they had this list of like twenty people under you know probably the advent of all these fucking lists and shit. All these twenty people under twenty yeah. or under thirty that are fucking <laughs> great. And uh, Hannibal Burris was on the list, and he was. Uh, they were talking about him. I said, "Oh, this guy, he's funny. He's he seems like a cool black guy. He's not like." Uh, he's not cooning it up. He's just being a very laid back, and he's funny. I was like, oh, that guy's cool. And then I saw, like, I think Aziz Ansari. I was like, I, I want to try to do stand up. And I told my parents, I said, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna try to do stand up. And I, and I don't, and if you catch me slipping, you know, tell me, call me on my shit. Yo, sidebar, it's so crazy how supportive your parents are of you, and also how. How connected they are to your career in terms of like like plugged in to stuff you do and moves you make. Yeah. Just simply because I'm I'm where I'm from and with my creativity is that I hid my shit from my mom for a long time. Oh. And even like my like I was telling them I was doing shit, but I never would be like working on this album, mom. Yeah. And now even then, like there's they've always been supportive. My dad's a music fan, who was a music fan and all this shit, but I just felt like I didn't share that part of myself with him. And I still don't. Go ahead. But no, I was, I was, I was just in the side. I just, I just kind of was captivated in the fact that you were like, I'm gonna try this shit, and call me on it if you see me slipping. Like that's kind of crazy to me, but it's dope. You know what I'm saying? I told them and I told my best friend, and they never had to say you slipping. But with that, I mean, there, there've been arguments. Like, like you, you, we're sitting in my car right now. This is a. I had used to have a Ford Explorer. I had, had one of those. I had a 2006 Ford Explorer that my dad made the down payment on, and I kept up the payments. And that was like rode into the ground because of doing gigs and not always getting paid for the gigs. And yeah. that's like <laughs> that's that's like me going to my job. That's like an hour away every day. And so that was like you. Why are you going to this place and they're not paying you? This is bullshit. There's the first time. Like and there's been like you you shouldn't be doing comedy you shouldn't be doing this and okay that so, sound, that sounds more like real life yeah like in my mind I was like mystifying it like they're just like no it wasn't always easy there's there's been tears there's been that but overall they put me they put me in the they put me in the position to be successful okay they did everything that they 
could to put me in the position to be successful. And uh, I remember the turning point was like for me was the first time I got to open for a big headliner was like 2011. So I was two years in. Who was it? Chris Hardwick. Oh, shit. Okay. And so I like wanted to work with him because, oh, I like his podcast. He seems cool. Um, I put my hat in to to the booker is uh, Randolph Terrence and Andy Klein. They got this great podcast called Three Guys On. They're my yeah. they're essentially my mentors. So he's like so he's like Chris, you you got the show. And you you MC to MC I think you're getting paid. I was getting paid like maybe 50 bucks. And I think it was like two two shows at the time. And he was big. He had a million followers back then. Chris Hardwick has, seems like he's been big for a long time. Yeah, he's yeah. been, you know, he's been. So he was he was not as big as he was is now. Yeah. But he was big. So you had to, if you're an MC, you have to pick up the headliner. And so he was just standing at a hotel down the street. And it was at the Arlington Draft House. So I pick him up. And um, he's cool. He's nice. And we're just talking. And at the end of the weekend, I, I he gives me his number because I have to pick him up, and he's going to he's getting food at some spot, so I pick him up, and we go do the show. End of the show, end of the weekend, I was like, Chris, nice working with you. Hopefully, I can work with you again. He's like, Oh yeah, man, we're comics. We'll 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 see each other. And that was it. And that was like, that was huge for me. And I'm I'm like, so what am I? Thirty one at the time. I was like, I feel like I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And I'm, I get home to my parents' house, and I'm like, oh, this was a good weekend. It was fun. And my mother was like, how much did you get paid? Like, it might have been like, <laughs> been like, one, might have been like 150 for two shows or whatever. And she was like, uh, she was like, oh, well, I wonder how much he got paid. And da 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 I was like, you don't understand. And it was some grown-ass man. I'm not man enough to admit. I was like, oh, I got so frustrated. I was in tears. I was like, this is, this is, I was like, because I was like, I finally figured, it took me, I think everything that I did, like, as far as, like, acting is concerned, like, prepared me for what I'm doing now. Yeah. But I didn't see it that, at then, but I was like, this is, this is who I am. Like, it's almost like, I had a conversation with my dad one time, and he said, it's almost like coming out. Yeah, yeah, so I was going to just say that. Yeah, and it's just like, no, this is, this is really me, and like, I Go ahead. It yeah. was it was bubbling beneath the surface, and you like it's almost like something you didn't know, but it was peeking its head out. There was and yeah. that was undeniable. You know what I'm saying? There there was like in uh, the Chicago theater scene, like last late last last summer, early fall, kind of experienced like a handful of deaths, uh, like relatively young people. And there's this guy actor named Sati Word, who I was kind of jealous of. Cause he was like, he didn't go to school. He just he didn't go to like theater school, and he's just fucking good. Yeah. And uh, just like raw, talented guy working at the big theaters and shit. Brilliant actor. We're finally we're actually in a play together, and we're goof. We're doing this play about Hurricane Katrina, like based on Katrina and shit. And it's a really serious play, and uh, we were just goofing off before the show. He's like, Chris, you need to do stand-up, man. I'm going to take you to jokes and notes. You need to. I was like, nah, man, get the fuck out of here. Nah, nah, nah. And uh, that's around the time, like, Hannibal Burris was kicking around doing his thing in Chicago. Pete Holmes, Kumail. Who's just, you can't, I can't say that if I had started back then 
would I be where they are now? Like everybody has their journey, but right. it's almost I kind of you got to learn to live with regrets. That isn't that what Hove yeah. said? That is what Hove said. <laughs> but it's in the some, words of Hove, yeah, Sean Carter. But like <laughs> it was sort of like it was like damn, like this guy, you know, he he was right, and now he's he, he very died really young, and uh, and he he was one of the first people that said you need but to do this. That's the thing. Like if you think about his death, and you think about where you are now, and like you might have found your voice later, but. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, not to put, I don't, I don't really know your relationship, but like, like, it wasn't in vain. None of the right, advice, yeah. or none of the words anybody ever told you about, like, like what your true voice is. Like, like yeah. everybody steering you towards comedy. Yeah. It's like doing stand up. It's almost like, you know, you 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 can always choose to not do something. You can right. choose to not listen. You can choose choose to ignore it. But something in you just was like, you know what? I think they're all right. I'm well, yeah, try. and and things started happening. Like, and I remember, like, he knew that I was doing comedy before he died. Like, we weren't BFFs. We were friends on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. He was just a really intense guy. He was like, oh, I see you doing stand up, man. He said, oh, well, he said, uh, yeah, I bet you're not like these whack motherfuckers out here. And I, you know, and to have his approval because I thought that he was good at what he did, yeah, like that was like okay, that was like supreme validation. Almost. Yeah, like, oh shit, like there was um when me and Wyatt do Night Train. I mm-hmm. mean not Night Train, shouting at the screen. Yeah, we had uh well, this is a, another aside because it's totally not about shouting at the screen, mm-hmm. but. Wyatt, like, sometimes he'll have, like, parties and shit. Like, he used to have, like, fight parties and, like, sporting yeah. events parties. He would invite us over. Like, there was one time I remember where I was with John Oliver. Okay. And, like, I've, I've been around him several times. And, like, one time John was just like, yo, you are hilarious. You're, like, really funny. And I was like, all right. <laughs> that, John that, fucking Oliver That was literally all I needed to hear. Like, I'm yeah. like, okay, well, so I'm a comedian now. I'm doing this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even though I'm yeah. not, even though I'm not... I don't claim comedian. I don't like do comedy stuff for real. Yeah. It's just like, like I could only imagine if that's like when, for me, when like Questlove co-signed the group. Yeah. Or like when yeah, Gene Gray is just like, yo, I love y'all's music. It's just like, I'm doing this. I'm doing the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Of course it's, it, it's things started happening. So that Chris Harbour conversation in 2011, that was June. That's neck a few months later. I emceed for Mark Marin at the same place. So two of the biggest podcasters in the game, I got to open for him. Now, now to to them, that's just like I'm doing a show, doing some shows in Virginia. Part right, of course, you yeah. know, All right? Uh, and and then like 2000, so so 2012. There's a club called Levity Live in West Nyack, New York. It opens and it's right in my neck of the woods, like 20 minutes away from me. I see that Chris Hardwick's going to be there. And I had his email. I had his phone number. I actually had his phone number. Um, and, I, and I asked him, I was talking to Randolph and Andy. And, you know, I was like, he's going to be in my area. You think I should, you know, hit him up? Because working with a headliner or talking to a headliner, it's almost like the hot girl. Yeah, everybody's trying Everybody to Everybody wants yeah. him. And you want to work. You want him, too. But in your, in your whatever for for whatever for you my, just don't want to seem thirsty. Yeah, you don't want to be thirsty. It's just like, you know, it, it is what it is. And so I was like, hey, you you're doing a show at in Nyack. I live right there. If you need anybody to open for you, would love to opportunity to work with you again. He's like, sure. Let me 
set it up. Just shoot me an email. We'll set it up. And it happened. That was the first time I featured for him. Like, oh, that was nice. the first time I featured at period. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to do, you're going to do 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, oh, shit. And that was. And at and, this point, you had, you had worked, you had 15, 20 in the bag. Easy. Yeah. I mean, I was doing okay. So that was like three years in. I was okay. Okay. I was like, I was a funny guy. Like, you had the like, stamina to do that. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I was getting at. But yeah. it was like, I was like, oh, I got the middle spot. I was like, all right. And that, and that, and that, the guy emceeing was Paul Verzi. I don't know if you know who. Uh, I'm not familiar. Very funny guy. Opens for Bill Burr a lot. And, um, and I, I saw him open for Bill Burr at Carnegie Hall. Oh, shit. And so, okay. like, this fucking guy that I saw open at Carnegie Hall is is bringing me up he's hosting and i was like what the fuck and it's like a <coughs> excuse me it's like a wednesday night it's like a, it's like holy shit this is awesome and i was actually gonna go see them i had a ticket to see him and bill burr in englewood new jersey which is right in my backyard because i wanted to see burr in a regular theater because it's a difference between seeing somebody in like a crown jewel event moment momentous thing and then i wanted to see what a regular night yeah. for them was like when they're still kind of like in the middle of working things out or like they might or be working on them like, like yeah you know, just, might just like when you I, I think of the crown jewel moments i think of those just kind of like the material is polished like, yeah this has been worked yeah. on like like i've been I've, yeah like I, I've, this is this stuff is ready to go versus if you catch somebody like just a drop-in set they may just do five minutes of being weird or some shit like yeah let me try this one on you guys not working okay how about this one right well, here's a joke you'll laugh at i'm out peace <laughs> well like i mean to them like to to bill bird and louie doing a doing a theater is like kind of like an open mic for them yeah i mean they when when he recorded when he did um when this carnegie most of that material from carnegie was in you people are all the same. The first Netflix special. Okay. And so he was. He had. He did that, and then he did the Netflix thing. But I opened for, and met Paul, who's who's become one of my closest friends in comedy, and um, you know, and we just became friends. And I was gonna go see them in Englewood, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna see you guys tomorrow. And then after that, the next day, I just I emailed the Booker. At Levity Live, Steve Mazzilli, who put me on TV, put me on Gotham Comedy Live. Oh, wow. First TV experience, stand-up, you know, for TV. And uh, I'm heading home. I was like, I'm going to see Bill Burr tonight. I'm excited. And I looked down at my phone. He's like, hey, can you come in and MC this show? Somebody dropped out. And that's when I started working regularly at Levity Live. That was the first club that passed me. Okay. And that was like... You do, you actually, I was getting paid to do comedy so much so that one weekend check helped me get tires for my truck. And that's when my parents started like, oh, oh, you're getting, you're getting paid. And that's when they started to like really, you know, like open their eyes. Yeah. Like ease, ease up off of like, like being so hard on your body. Yeah. yeah. I could fix the truck that I was putting all the fucking miles on but and then like i start i toured a little bit with chris hardwick in 2013 and that opened my eyes up a lot how'd you feel about touring did you like it or you gotta have money to tour yeah you do and <laughs> it was like it was like people a, don't get that people don't get that part yeah. of it though but yeah you definitely have to like touring is not cheap and yeah. a lot of times you know like like 
as as a uh, indie artist, a lot of times you putting your own money out and you're putting the money you make on tour directly back into tour. Right. Yeah. I was just listening to one of my favorite artists, uh, like newer artists, uh, Chaz Bundick, who goes by Toro y Moi. Yeah, I love Toro. Saw him at, at uh, Terminal 5 uh, two weeks ago. But he was talking, he was just saying like, yeah, you got to have money. I was sleeping on couches and blah, blah, blah. We would have to, you know, we were thinking about getting a tour bus. So he's like ascending to like another level but yeah but it was it was an experience that i will i like just will hold dear to my heart because it was like a it was an apprenticeship yeah it's like it's not really it's not about the money it's about like working and getting to see what a how a headliner behaves how you supposed to behave because hardwick would do a fucking theater show and he would sign getting you know, sign people shit, take pictures. I mean, that's why he is where he is today. And I'll always be, I'll forever be indebted to him for that because he made, he legitimized me. Like, I'm not famous because I opened for him, but he legitimized me to myself. Right. To my peers, to my parents. And it was just sort of like, okay, he said, you, you, I was like, okay, now maybe I can do the job, you know? Yeah. So. Like and, and that that's the same thing with us when we um we I, I get what you're saying because we went on tour with Souls of Mischief okay yeah and hieroglyphics and that was legitimizing it was almost like I got to see what a what an actual independent group looked like on the mm-hmm. road and like like from merch sales to like how to handle just how to handle everything and it, it was very eye opening and it's one of yeah. those things where you know when I when I speak about tour experiences that one's always at the top of the pile for the most fun memories of tour because you will know whether you're built for it yeah or you're or you're not it's, it's a good gauge man and like like it, even if you're not built for it it's it's just like it's just good to know where you stand yeah where thing. you stand like can these jokes that i worked on in basements and in bars at open mics where people weren't giving a fuck do they in in some basement in new york on the lower east side Oh, they work in Philly. They work in San Francisco. They work in upstate New York. They work, and it's just like, okay, now you have to fucking build an act. Like, yeah. the first time I headlined, you know, Carolinas did have this breakout artist series where, you know, up-and-coming comics, you know, that you, you do a, an hour. You get to do an hour in this. Yeah, like how does that even, how does that, how do you build up to getting that headlining slot? Like, not, not like, in terms of building your act, but, like, I know you just said uh, the the club passed you in terms of being a, a host. Like, how do they? I guess I don't know if the term applies there, but pass you to being a headliner. Well, I you know think I think being a headliner comes with really. Can you sell tickets? Yep, asses in the seats. Yeah, our asses in the seats. That's really all they care about. So I like re, like maybe within the last really like when I started like the last five six years. I remember a comedian, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, used, yeah, to, have, yeah, I know, I heard of used to have like the Tompkins 300. He'd have Facebook groups say, if you can get 300 people or whatever amount of people at this venue, I will perform there. And you promote it, or, you know, it gets promoted. That's kind of brilliant. Yeah, he's like, I'll do it. Because <laughs> it's like most, most clubs are just in it, like we're selling drink. We want to sell alcohol and food, yeah. but mainly alcohol. Because you'll have, you'll have people like that. He'll be like, yo... 
why don't you come play Peoria, Illinois? And you're like, well, if somebody would fucking book me, yeah. I would come anywhere would they book me. So, like, just yeah. putting it on them, like, look, get get 50 of your friends to, to buy tickets to this thing. Yeah, and it doesn't to- have to be, like, a huge venue. It could yeah. be, like, a small hall. Like, Todd Barry for his... You ever seen his crowd work? The crowd tour? work, yep. Like, he... Like, he wasn't playing huge theaters. He was playing, like, rock venues, really nice, like, artsy, cool places. And just, he sold them all out, and he could play to his audience. That shit is so dope, man. So, it's like, if you get a TV... My, my whole thing was, they offered it to me. I turned it down because I felt like I wasn't ready. So, my concern now is to have the goods. It's not necessarily to be... Because if something happens, they say, oh, we want you to be the second lead in a sitcom and if i get that the show successful i can tour yeah like but if they if i tour if that happened i better have fucking be able to to deliver because then they won't come back oh this guy was on the nbc show he's not that funny yeah i'm probably not gonna i wasted 60 bucks i got a babysitter like the first time well Fonte came to see me open for Hardwick in Durham at the Carolina Theater it was a trip because like that was a guy that I listened to to get ready to do shows like that he was in the mix you know like you have your mix like to get ready to get focused and he was like oh that joke you know another validating thing like Oh, that joke you did about 12 Years a Slave, that was funny. It's like, what the... F-? It was just kind of like... Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I listened to you in here, and now you're... You know, so... if You know, like, that that's cool. And, like, you do... Like, it kind of... In a short amount of time, that doesn't happen for a lot of people. Yeah. And I've been lucky, too. I think I have the ability and the talent. But a lot of that shit is luck, too. And guess what? It is your lucky day. You can get a number of Tanya Morgan releases for 50 bucks. It may seem like a lot of money up front, but when you consider the retail value of about six discs, two or three pieces of vinyl in a download, you're saving a lot of money. It's a lot cheaper than title because you pay that shit monthly. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely a lot of like, you know, um, Preparation and opportunity meet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like, there is a dash of luck in there with regards to what the opportunity is. Sure. Like, you yeah. can never, like, you can, as long as you're just working on your craft, the preparation is underway. And, like, work by working on your craft and people seeing you being diligent about it, opportunities will present themselves. Yeah. It's just what people are seeing you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Because there are a lot of opportunities that pop up for me. And, man, like, sometimes they'll just be standard shit it could be anybody in the world and then sometimes it's just like hey my wife is working on a thing and i've done this like my wife is working on a show and i know you like to do voiceover shit would you like to audition for it and it's Mm -hmm. not like it's not like a a craigslist it's like somebody somebody you know yeah Yeah, so like there is this this luck factor that can't be counted out you know yeah but i feel like i feel like luck is I feel like luck is, 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 you know what I'm saying, like going back to touching on the conversation we had a while ago, I feel like luck is kind of generated by what you put in the, the karma bank. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. By like, by like just not necessarily, it's not about being like hippy dippy, but just being a good person and genuinely like caring about your opportunities and your craft. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Caring about the people that are around you. Because at the end of the day, you know, like at the end of the day, all, every, all anybody has to remember you by is what you've done. 
in, right. in, in the way that you carry yourself in doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 just crazy to me that how to like you think when you're in it, you're like, I wish I had that shit. You know, I wanted to, I want to do that. I want to book this festival. I want to do this and that. And you got to, sometimes you have to pull yourself back. You let yourself have those moments where you, yeah. those human moments where you feel jealousy, you feel anger, yeah. you feel sadness about your career. But then I think about like a lot of, like a lot of the people that I, I said that I wanted to meet, I've met like. Uh, my 30th birthday, I did Hannibal's room for the first time. The Knitting the, Factory. The Knitting yeah. Factory. And he, and to Hannibal, a lot of his, he's been really helpful to me because that was probably, that was, so that was like 2010. And he, it was my birthday. It was my 30th birthday. And uh, it was just like, he's like, hey, because to him, he's like, hey, you want to do the knit? He like sent like a, like a Facebook, you know, he's cool, you know, he's like, hey, you want to do my show at the Knit on the 21st, and I was like, yeah, and I, like, that was, like, the biggest, that was huge, and I think he put me on before I was ready, wait, when, wanted, when was this, this was 2010, before the show was super hot, like, okay. Hannibal was, where he was working it on it, it was that. right before he got in the big room, Nah, I mean he was yeah it was it was in the front room, the front room, okay, yeah, yeah, so he was on SNL, and he was popping, like, he was, like, you know he's huge now, but like, I re I remember I rem I I was going to the uh, I was going there when it was in the in the front row. Yeah, so he yeah. was uh, you know, and that was a big deal for me, and that was my thirtieth birthday. He I I do okay. Like if I want to be honest with myself, I'm gonna be honest. I did all right. He probably put me up before I was ready. Yeah, and I did okay. And then right after I got off, Louis C.K. went up. <laughs> and I was just like, are you fucking, this is amazing. Yeah. And it's just like, like why it's been great. Like I'm emceed for him and in, in Virginia. And it's like those cats down in Virginia, Randolph and Annie, like th those guys have been really instrumental in just saying, here's this opportunity. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. And, we, and then, you know, and like it, that, and like, I was like, oh, that guy, why it's nice. Cool. I like that movie. I went to see his, you know, I went to see his, uh, first taping is Comedy Central's special, yeah. and I was just like, "Ah, oh, guy's cool." And then a year later, less than a year later, I'm working. He's in my car. See, I feel like uh, you know. I feel like in a lot of ways, based on my short tenure and the like, like being around the comedy universe, mm -hmm. the comedy world, I think that it that sort of like mentorship pulling each other up thing it happens yeah. a lot more in comedy it's seen, and, and you and, wouldn't think it though well the thing about rap the thing about rap and music is it's so competitive like like it's yeah. not just competitive lyrically it's competitive and like this is there's one opportunity and it's mine like yeah. that's that's pretty much how motherfuckers treat shit it's like if there's an opening slot on the tour it's like no i want the slot it's not like yo yeah like i watched a documentary about voiceover work and they, they were like just how the community is so tight because they're like You'll get called in for an audition. They're like, well, this isn't for me, but I'll call Jenny, and she probably, like, she was perfect for this. Have you like, seen In a World? Yeah, that's what that's I was really yeah. uh, that, That's the one with the, um... That's uh, Lake Bell. Like, it was a movie. It wasn't a doc. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, I feel like rap is so competitive mm -hmm. that they're competitive about, like, opportunities and, like, moments. Whereas, like, my everything I've done in comedy and, like, like working with people in comedy, it's just been so just kind of, like... 
it just feels like family and community. It's for some real. bullshit. You know, too. I mean, I, 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 it's bullshit and everything. But like, I'm not gonna sit here and yeah, judge yeah, and pretend yeah. like you know what I'm saying it's not some backbiting fuck shit. But but I don't want to. Like, I don't want to. You know what I'm saying. But to that point, though, it's it's interesting to me. It's been eye opening to me where the most opportunities that I've gotten, the the people that have been the nicest to me, have been the people that are on like the super high levels. Like they pay, they probably pay it in their mind. Like they just they see, they see like they want to pay it forward. They see, yeah. they see an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Like Wyatt, for instance. I mean, I, he probably don't really want to. It's not anything bad on him. It's actually good. Like when I worked with him at Caroline's, and I said, hey, you know, I was like, hey Wyatt, so are you going to be at Caroline's? Love to host, feature, whatever you need. Want if you need me, I'd love to work with you again. And he's he was like, yeah, cool, whatever. And then, like, I got paid from the club, but he paid on top of what the club paid. Like, he didn't have to do that. Like, yeah, yeah. that's some G shit. Yeah. Like, I got a fucking fleece jacket back here because of the extra money you paid. <laughs> so, like, Ball it. yeah, from Eddie Bauer. So he's like, like, like a guy like that. Like, he, you know, he's been, he's been nice. And it's been like people like, what kind of builds, what kind of at the same time makes me frustrated with a lot of this shit that happens. It's like, why is this guy who's up here on the, at the time was on the fucking Daily Show is nice, but I can't do time on this free bar show? I mean, like, like that's know, what, yeah. that's why it's like, okay, it, you know. That's the ebb and flow of things, man. Yeah. Like, you know, it's some of that shit where when you're at the bottom, man, opportunity, opportunity, it seems singular. But mm -hmm. when you're, when you're like, not necessarily at the bottom, but when you're at a certain level, opportunity seems so singular, and all you can really see is is, is narrow sighted vision. But yeah. when you get to a certain plateau or level, you can look around and understand that by 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 making the playing field like more diverse, it makes you more better. Like you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. It's, it's better to work. It's better to like work at, work with like talented, skilled, crafted motherfuckers than it is to like like hoard opportunity. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And it makes you better. And I think, like, for me, when we talk about the training in the background, like, it just, I think I'm at a, which really is a drop in the bucket when you talk about stand-up. But I think at the same time, my life experience, my training has helped me ex of exist among people that, like, sometimes you have to follow people. Like, I tell yeah. this story all the time on, on podcasts. It'll, it'll be new to your listeners that, um, are you familiar with Maria Bamford? Yes, love Maria Bamford. So, like, this is, again, this is just one of those uh, stories. I say, I say I'm rap game Maria Bamford. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, like, you know, again, like somebody tells you, oh, you might like Maria Bamford, you should listen to her. So I'm, you know, student of the game. Like, I try to call myself, like, Peyton Manning, you know, like, you. Yeah. but you try to learn all about these people, listen to her albums. I was like, oh my god, she's great. I met her one time, took a picture with her at Comics, which is a club that doesn't exist anymore. So fast forward to 2013, I'm in Philly, opening for Hardwick at um, uh, Helium, and uh, it's in downtown Philly. And Maria Bamford is doing a one-nighter on the Sunday, the Sunday after the Hardwick shows. And Chris said, or I think the whole guy that's emceeing is like, oh, yeah, Maria Bamford's doing guest spots. She's doing a couple guest spots this week. And I was like, I was like, oh, shit. So I guess I have to, <laughs> I have to follow Maria Bamford. 
And I was like, and the host was kind of making fun of me. He's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta follow, you gotta follow Maria Bamford. And I was like, well, that's what you play the game for. Yeah. And Chris Hardwick was like, yep. And uh, I did. I, I got busy, man. There was a write up in the in the like Philly Weekly about my set or whatever. And like I tweeted after the show, like I was like, oh, I had the pleasure of sharing the stage with Maria Bamford on on the Hardwick shows and. And then she tweets back, like, the next day. She's like, oh, you were so funny. Me and my boyfriend laughed. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? You know, like, yeah, shit like yeah, that. Yeah. So it's like Hardwick, Marin, uh, Maria Bamford, Wyatt, Hannibal, Bill Burr. Like, people that you, you think, you, you just think, oh, maybe one day I'll get to meet them. And you yeah. fucking work, you fucking working with him, like yeah. just sitting backstage with Wyatt talking about hip hop at Caroline's. Like, wow, this is. I just saw your fucking special. Like, I was at your special. Yeah, in the bleachers or some shit, and it's really cool. Well, I, it goes back to what you were saying, actually, in my mind about um, being prepared. Like, yeah, there are a million times where you know, like, like a, a, a good story. Uh, Jean Jean Grey. We were talking about some shit one time. And, like, she had, I think it was, like, right after the Two Broke Girls thing happened. She was on Two Broke Girls. Okay. And something else was going on. And she was just, like, you know, they were, she was, like, I'm not even going to lie. I thought I was ready for this, like, a long time ago. And I've been saying I wanted this for a long time, but I wasn't ready then. You know what I'm saying? And mm. she was just, like, she's, like, I know I'm ready now, but I thought I was ready then. And it's funny because I was in... I, I, these opportunities would come and I would get passed for shit and I would just be mad about it. But now that the opportunities have come and I'm able to like, you know, I, they're, they're my opportunities and I can seize them. Like I get why I wasn't getting them before and I understand mm. it. She was like, you know, I think that's a big part of like any journey is understanding that like, you know, when you think you're ready, you might not be. So don't get mad yeah. about things not, not going your way. And like, we were, we were just having like a random text conversation. It, was, it wasn't like, she was like giving me life yeah, advice. Sure. But that shit hit me in a different, I was like, oh, okay. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it really yeah. stuck with me because, yeah. like again, like there are so many times where things just don't go the way that I want them to. Or right. like, I, I'll see something, but it's, I think it's for me and it's not. And I'm like, why not? But, you know, I think it's healthier now to just look at it like, that just wasn't mine. You know what I'm saying? Oh, of course. I mean, you, you talk about things like, and just because you choose a certain path and these certain things happen, it's like, they don't mean it's going to be great. Like, you choose, yeah. you feel like you're destined for this shit. Like, I'm I feel like comedy, the arts are my calling, but that doesn't mean that it's going to work out perfectly. Right. But I, I think it's something that, you could at least gain solace in like you're like oh i gotta get up early but i fucking murdered like last night you yeah. know i had a like a something that you kind of set out to do and it's like despite everything you you kind of it's just it's it's amazing man it when you really think about it yeah i mean I, the, the journey and and like and and the way that you the way that you walk it or take your journey is amazing. Like I mean, cause like to to bring it into perspective, you could either be just the the coffee shop in Brooklyn or Starbucks. But like if you make your cup of coffee to the best of your ability, the people in the community are going like you know what I'm saying. Like everybody don't know about this coffee shop over here. Yeah. But the people that do know love it. 
They right. love it more than Starbucks. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and one day, yeah. <laughs> one day, yeah. like the guy in there, he, the guy in there is probably not looking at Starbucks like these motherfuckers. I mean, if, if Starbucks moved next door to him, he might be like these motherfuckers. But he's probably just concerned about making great coffee and service in his community. Yeah. So with that, it's just like that saying, you know, like if you don't if you don't think about it so much and just work, man, work yeah. your craft, you know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because we're human. And it's just like it, it's just. You have that struggle, but you just have to let yourself have those emotions and then, you know, press on and all that hokey bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, uh, nah, it's, it's a little late. We, we, we've, this is an awkward way to end the podcast. We've done two. We've, we've done, done two. two. We've done, we started podcast, we started recording at what, six, five thirty? I think so. Before this is five, a, what time is it now? Oh, man. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about mundane festival, but you can you can ask me whatever you want to ask. Do you still you still have more stuff? Actually, I really only had like two more questions. Okay, two more why don't we do them? I'm game. Let's do it. So, all right, <laughs> this is your show, man. The mundane festival, like yeah. like how long have you been doing it? Like like better question. Give me advice on having a lo- the the podcasting longevity, like. Well, God, I've only been doing it two years. I mean, that's, there's people that have been doing it longer than me, and they're that's are more six, that's a year and a half longer than me. A more that are more successful so. at it. But I think for me, it was something that I you want to do it for its intrinsic value. Like I said, when I was in college, I had um, I had the radio show, and I liked doing it. And it was something that was going to force me. I felt to try to live a life worth commenting on. Yeah, you know, and the, which would help my stand up, and would you know. And I looked at guys like like Burr, like my buddy Verzi. They both do do solo podcasts, um, and sometimes they have guests on. Um, Aronzio Vance. Um, so like those, he has a podcast called Just Killing Time, and uh, I opened for him a couple times. And he's been like another guy. Like that's just like another guy that I listen to. So like, oh, this guy is pretty cool. Um, I think I met him through through Big Doe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows though. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were. Uh, I think they're cousins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's maybe cousins with Big Pooh. I think he's he's related to somebody. Yeah. So we were. So I was just on Twitter like six or seven years ago, and um, I think Big Doe retweeted something Maranzio said, and then I wrote something. We just started following each other, and I found like he was doing some shows at Gotham. We met in person. Cool dude, and he was a, he was the first guy. Maranzio, like, he'll say, oh, you work with Hardwick and everything, like, yada, yada, yada. But with Maranzio, he, and I know we're going off track, but he was a guy that showed me the real road, like, the road. (laughs) He prepared, like, he prepared me because before I worked with Hardwick on the road, I worked with Maranzio, and we did Baltimore, and there was... You could either sink or swim in that fucking place. Okay. And I thought, I was like, oh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty fucking good. And I got off stage. I did okay. And I watched Maranzio. I was like, fuck. Like, he's slayed. Just demolished. And just like, this is, and I'm like, this is what it's like. This is how you grow. And that's when I realized, because you, you kind of have that cockiness. You're like, I'm fucking, I'm good. I'm yeah. nice. <laughs> I'm nice. And uh, I was like, I got a lot to learn. I'm like, I got a lot to learn. And that's when I just started going in. And by the time I opened for Hardwick, 
this third time, like at Caroline's, he's like, you need to look at my calendar and, and pick, we need to do some dates. So, but anyway, like Maranzio, Burr, Verzi, they kind of, they most, for the most part, do stuff by themselves. I wanted to see if I could do the show by myself and make it entertaining. Yeah. So I wouldn't have to chase a guest. So if I wanted, so I wanted to do that to say, well, I'll just do one by myself. And then when I get somebody I want, like I saw you, it's like, oh, let's get Don Will on the show and we'll, we'll record it. It'll, yeah. make, it'll just make it more fun for the listener than not to have to listen to me blab for however long. <laughs> so I just didn't want to be dependent on guests. Yeah, I try to hold down some of the podcasts every now and then. I, yeah. I usually, they're usually shorter when it's me by myself. I, okay. I do like 30, like 30 minutes most. Okay. If that long. The you know biggest I mean? compliment that I've gotten so far about my show is that there's a terrific podcast called the Black Guy Who Tips podcast. I, I've, I've I've listened to them. Yeah, Rod and Karen. They they I've been a guest uh, oh, several times on that show. Voted best guest in 2014. Uh, you know, pretty big deal. Zagat rating. Yeah. So <laughs> so their their listeners voted me that, and people will say, you know, oh, I, I heard him on the Black Guy Who T- Tips, and I like thought it was funny. Listen to was was unsure about listening to a bunch of solo episodes, but he does it well. And there's some that are hit or you know, there's some that are like, yeah, yeah. and some are really good. But that was a that meant a lot to me because you know, trying to hold it down by yourself is is uh it's a, it's a task. But it's, and, and you're like a hundred plus episodes in. A hundred and eighteen are posted now. Hundred and eighteen. So yeah. with that. Aside from the Fonte one, uh huh. What's your what's like your your not favorite one, but like the what's the word that I have here? Like most cherished. Hmm, that's tough. Well, I, I think I mean they're all my babies. <laughs> you, can't, my, you can't kill your kids. One of my guests, I would say. Oh man, that's really hard. Um, well, I, I won't make you kill your kids. Though. But I would say I would say like. The the Andy Klein episode, who I mentioned is one of my mentors because he's a very reserved guy. And I got him. He opened up a little bit about his childhood and stuff. And he actually gave me some really good advice about me having trepidation about doing the headlining set at Caroline's. Okay. So he said like his advice and I listened to it. I listened to it a couple times, like this segment where he says like you're a head you're a headline if you you just have that headliner energy and the people that come to see the show some of them will know you but then everybody else they'll just assume that you're the headliner so you just assume the role yeah and you yeah. take them on with you um damien i gotta listen to that yeah there. that it's like in the 60s or something damien lemon was a good one episode 16 i call that i episode joe montana why Joe Montana? G- number sixteen. Like I used. To, oh, oh, oh. So if you listen to one, one to one to ninety nine, I give Jersey numbers. I'll say like episode. I don't think I did it for episode one, but for the most part, I would say like episode. Shit, like episode seven was episode John Elway, and okay. then I would read. I would read his Wikipedia page. Like I read his stats. And then I might tell a story. <laughs> like, I'll tell a story. Like, episode 34 was Carmen Lynch. And that was 
episode Bo Jackson, who was my favorite athlete. Yeah, yeah. And so I would tell a story about Bo Jackson or what that meant to me and riff on that. Uh, but, but yeah, I like check some of these out, man. Yeah, it was pretty good, man. I've you know, and I, I talked to um, yeah, Damian Lemons was really good because I don't think there's some things that he didn't <coughs> he didn't that I didn't know about him that he talked about on the show. And it was it was really good. That was one of my first ones. I interviewed my dad. Yo, um, I wanted to interview my mom. You like, should. How was how was it interviewing your you dad? You know, I did it. I got the idea from Chris Hardwick because he I interviewed his dad. His dad passed away like I think oh, like twenty thirteen, and he had that interview. And I just said, "Well, that's a good idea. I should see. I, I should do that. I interviewed my. I tried to early on. I went home for uh, Mother's Day. I forget what mm -hmm. it was." But I, I tried to I was trying to interview her and I, I was going to interview her and this is when I first started doing the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, we'll just go somewhere like when we get like I was gonna do it in a car with her. I was like, let's let's do it on the ride to this store. She's like, okay, cool. And I think she was so excited about it, she told her friend that she was gonna do it, and her friend got in the car with us, and I'm like, Well, I'm not interviewing uh, you in front of her. No. Like and I just didn't do it. And like she made she's like, Are you gonna still do the podcast? I'm like, Yeah. So I ended up like doing a really quick one with her on the way to the airport at like five in the morning and I just it just the energy I was just like so No, nah, do uh, one where you're you're just having coffee or something and just sit down and do it. I, I got my my I booked my dad through my mom. And you, <laughs> my mom, Wait, so you booked it? Like you did like an actual I had to ask my mom first. That's kinda dope. Cause usually when I'm when I'm driving home from work I'll talk to them on the phone. I talk to them every day, at least one of them every day. And we'd have these conversations. My dad would talk to me about shit that happened when he was a kid. or all, You know, we'd have these long conversations. I was like, I should, should do the podcast. And uh, he did it. We sat down in the room, and it was really, it was, it was, that yeah. was the very first one. And there's all different kinds. Like, I think, like, just, I like interviewing artists because you, you like, I like finding out how they got to where they are. Right. You know, origin stories are fascinating to me, but we talk about whatever we want to, you know, whatever. No, those are some, like, I'm, I'm, I subscribe to your joint. I'm going to check man. it out. Like, I, um, I've played most of the Fonte episode. I yeah. I played the whole thing, actually. Yeah, I tried not to stand out too much, but that was a big, I think all those interviews and episodes led up to that. And people real they enjoyed that, and I I think uh, he was very gracious and he was Yo, very giving and everything. He's a really good guy. That guy, man, like me and him, <laughs> that guy. So like I was, I got that's that's the homie. So like he'll, yeah. like he'll call me at mo the most random moments, and like it always be like, nigga, like every yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> every phone, yeah. nigga, or like, right. like he might just send me a text. And just, Nigga, like it's, it's yeah. like it's hello, it's nigga, but that's that's I love that guy. Well, man. we had like the last He's twenty fantastic. minutes of it. Yeah, we were talking about um, video video games, and he had to play. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we went off on that game, The Last of Us, and uh, and then after we shut the interview down, he was showing it on play his PlayStation Four, and I was like, man, I I want one, and then I was like. So that was like Jan January the next month. I had a gig out in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and I was in the store. I, was, I almost pulled the trigger, and I was like, I need, I ended up buying one, <laughs> buying a PS4. <laughs> and I texted, I was like, I bought a PS4. It's your fault. 
And he, and he, and he, you know, but yeah, he's he's great, man. And that was, um, I was very uh, gracious for him to do it, you know. Yeah, all right, I got this. Is you can choose the question, so you can either give me your top five R and B acts or comedians, or mix them up. You can mash oh, them up, Jesus. or you can tell me the worst movie you've ever seen. Damn, I kind of want to answer all of them. Uh, <laughs> you can you can answer all of them, any R- or all of them. R and B, like they, well, they I, have to be in an order. They have to be in order. No they? order. Like that's the thing is, I was gonna ask you your top five comedians, but like all the stuff we thought, like all the R and B stuff up top. I'm like, man, this dude might be the guy to ask about. R&B, you know what I'm saying? Like it's really hard. R&B, I don't think it. Like, it's I not even about, like top five, like of all time, but just like the ones that are like on the tip of your, like which ones come to mind first when you, if like I know that sometimes when people ask you to list things, it yeah. causes everything to fleet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because my top five, because I think because since the movie came out, the top five movie, I was thinking about the MCs and my MCs are would be Black Thought, uh, Q-Tip. Because like we were talking about earlier, uh, Fonte, because I think he's sort of uh, most deaf and common. So like... That's Fa- solid. Yeah, Fonte gets it because to me, he's kind of like an amalgam of uh, most and Q-tip to where yeah. it's more... He's like of the earth like I, I told him that in the in the interview where it's like he's an has an everyman quality to where some guys are like these and it, through no fault of their own are like these god mcs like black thought he's yeah. a, he's amazing but you do you really know about him the, you know what i mean like yeah. how much he wants to reveal <laughs> you know like his his if you yeah, listen yeah. to his interview on the champs oh his interview is, on the champs was it's fantastic it's I, like, it's amazing yeah, yeah it's like it's like watching like a like an m night sh- the the climax of the reveal to a an m night Shyamalan movie yeah, for like exactly. an hour and a half it's like what the fuck it's like an hour and a half reveal yeah, like, it's like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so so like you know like he's just this great MC and everything, but it's like Fonte kind of embodies like there like there's a a, a a complex simplicity that he exudes as an artist. So that R and B guys, God, like you know, I'd have to say Jason Weaver, Tyrese, Ray I, J. No. Well, you know, okay, God, so Tevin Campbell, I guess. Uh, Glenn Lewis Shit I don't know That's really hard That's really hard Cause I don't Cause I I don't wanna go With the stock answer Of like Like the Stevie Wonders And these guys Cause, yeah, cause it's kinda yeah. like The guys of my generation Like who, who The people yeah. that were who people like, that were like singing to me, you, who I could kind of relate to. I think Tevin Campbell is a solid, solid. Like I think he should definitely be in the top. He's five. he's got to be in there. Ah, damn it! Like I was listening. I mean, I was listening to like these guys. Like fucking. Do you remember Alfonso Hunter? Damn yeah. This motherfucker was working with Eric Sermon. Wasn't that one for the money or something? No, that's no, Horace Brown. Brown. Horace Brown. He had a song. Just the way players play every day, all day. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. Some jams. Jesus, man, I would have to look into Brian McKnight. Brian McKnight's there. Yeah. Got to give it to Brian. So right. what do we got? Tevin, Brian, uh, Glenn, 
I need two more. Fuck. Oh, can you see? Groups are included too. It can be groups. Well, you can throw a group in. Well, it. you know, like boys to men would have to be, would have to be in there. I was trying to see if I had some shit on my iPod that I was gonna spin through, but I, I, man, wow. <laughs> I might have stumped you. Could I say like Erica Badu and Jill yep. Scott? You can throw them in there. Okay, so they don't have to be all dudes. No, they don't have to be dudes at all. Okay, so like, because Erica Badu put on the best. Damn, he was so Deang fuck D'Angelo, Erica Badu, Jill Scott. That's six, I guess. But uh, Erica Badu put on the, one a, of the best concerts I've ever been to. I, don't, I think I've seen her live once. I saw her at Radio City. Amazing. Oh wow! And see, the, like, there's guys like Van Hunt. I was just talking. What happened to Van Hunt? Got an album out. Came out last week. What? Yeah. Yo, the best year for music That's what I'm ever. Yeah, I yeah, bet yeah. you Glenn Lewis got an album out. Last 2013. <laughs> okay, okay. And it was like, but it was just like he had a song called like, what the fuck is a song called? I think it's like he's singing like, oh, I was just gonna, no, no. He had a song called like, uh, Random Thoughts, and he was talking about hat. It's like hashtag shit and like tweet like using internet lingo. I was like, Glenn, come on, dude. Uh, you don't, don't, hear you don't have to. You don't have to do this, bro. Actually, I do want to hear. It might be bad. But he also had like some good jams, you know. But what are you gonna do? But yeah, that would be it. And you said worst movie. I would yeah. probably say, uh, Dude, where's my car? Uh, I've never seen that movie. The kid that played Stifler. I was excited about that movie because you got Ashton Kutcher, who was hilarious on that 70s show, and then the homie Stifler, Sean William Scott from yeah. American Pie. And I was like, damn, this is going to be the shit. It was just so disappointed. I was so disappointing. You think you have that star? I was trying to look up his name, but yeah, so that's it. All right, so. Um, I'm gonna go watch Dude Where's My Car. Don't do that. I'm gonna go download, like, not get every artist we talked about on a Spotify play playlist and listen to this shit. Not title, dude? You're not gonna do title? I'm just fucking with What's title? Oh, oh, not oh. Title. Jay Z title. Yeah. Only title I write, only, only title I fuck with is Fiona Apple she title. You gotta be pissed at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, uh, St. Vincent, uh, you could throw in Rachel Yamagata, who actually, to me, sounds better, way better live. Rachel Yamagata. Yamagata. I'll, I'll send you the link. Okay, okay. Yeah, St. Vincent, I would say Jenny Lewis. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I have my homework. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I appreciate you talking to me, man. Thanks for having me, man. Peace. I'ma get so big, gotta change my number. I'ma get so big, gotta change my number. I'ma get so big, get so big, get so big, gotta change my number. Number you dot has been changed by your motives. Acting brand new, but let them still die the old shit. I don't even know what my area code is. Mass text the new joint to show you who my folk is. Matter of fact, I don't like talking no way. So call off on calling unless it's a holiday, unless it's a payday. And if it's a payday, don't call a nigga up coming out of your 
your face straight to the voicemail. Good luck with all that. Hope you ain't thinking I'm going to call right back. You could text if you want to talk unless it's an emergency and don't leave a message. I got to call a ID. Private numbers get no love. And if I don't recognize, I ain't going to pick up. It's a whole lot of ways we can keep in touch. But I'm sorry. Jaw jacket just ain't one. I tell you what, I'm going to get so big. That's the actual lyrics to the song that I use for my introduction and outro music. Um, I think I don't. I think you guys forget that I rap from time to time. I gotta remind you guys that I rap. I do have a rap show coming up on the twenty second, a solo show that never happens, and I'm terrified. I'm just not talking about it, but whatever. Um, what I think we're gonna do in the upcoming weeks, since you guys forget that I rap, is unearth some of these old albums that I said I was gonna release and never released, and just do like a live listening session where you know I play it, I talk over it, you guys sit through it and enjoy it because you you know I got them bars, I got bar work on deck, you know what I'm saying? You fucking with the bars, right? I fuck with the bars, monkey bars. The bars are crazy, they're bananas, barific. But no, seriously, um, I'm pretty dope. Uh, and if you need proof of that dope, evidence of said dopeness, holler at Jean Grey, jeangrey.bandcamp.com. Tanya Morgan's featured on her new project, I Swear to God, produced by Quelle Chris. We're on a song called 38 Special. It's pretty good. Um, I say some pretty impressive things. And, yeah, I'm pretty dope. I'm going to get off my own dick now and get off the microphone. You guys have a nice Monday and a nice week, and I'll see you in two weeks. I'm sorry I switched to bi-weekly, and I'm sorry for the hiatus. I really am. But, you know, the hiatus was slightly self-imposed. Slightly self-imposed. The hiatus kind of had to happen. And the bi-weekly thing, uh, you know, I, I, it's a lot to put together a show. And if you, you know, I tried to up the production value of this one, throw a little bit of audio clips in and shit. So, you know, I'm doing things. I'm out here doing things doing things and I got some stuff to do right now so I'm gonna go seriously this time I'm done but see you guys in two weeks with the interview featuring dun, 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 dun. say bye 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 say to the mic say bye 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 okay we'll sit you down